0: estate professional status is not an option, generally not an option for us as immigrants. So what do we do? Are we stuck or do we not have an option? We do have an option, especially with short-term rentals.
1: Hi, folks. Welcome to my episode on uh, short-term rentals. I have with me an amazing guest, Karan Narang. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. And, uh, you know, I call him the king of short-term rentals because... He is a beast when it comes to managing short-term rentals. Uh, Before we begin, of course, I want to say this, that whatever we talk about is kind of like two people talking and having fun and having a conversation about this. None of this is financial advice. None of this is legal advice. Um, This is just for information purposes. Um, So take it as it is, and uh, let's have some fun. So let's bring Karan on. Hi, Karan. How are you?
0: Hey, Avishkar. I'm doing good. Uh, How about yourself?
1: I'm doing phenomenal, man. So, so let's just introduce you to, the, to my audience. Uh, let's talk about you. What, what, what are you, who are you, and uh, what do you do?
0: So, Avishkar, I'm uh, by profession up until now, I've been uh, a consultant in the pharmaceutical supply chain space. Uh, but I'm excited to announce that thanks to our investments and short-term rentals, I think within the next 30 days, I will be retiring from my full-time job. Uh, The W-2 job that I'm on and getting into my short-term rentals as a full-time, that's going to be my primary focus investments. uh, My primary focus is going to be my family, my relationships. And thanks to short-term rentals, I'm able to do this now.
1: That's cool, man. That's cool. And it's important to kind of understand that your priorities are right. It's family first and then, you know, everything else later. Um, A lot of times, you know, we sacrifice our family time and our lives for the jobs that we're doing. And I think that's why I started this podcast, so that I could help people understand what are the avenues available to them, so that they could buy back their time.
0: Yeah, to be to be honest with you, you know, again, I've been uh, in the consulting space for almost twenty years. In the consulting space, I think this will this will um, do a lot of immigrants. Right, when I first came to, to this country as a, as an immigrant, I came here as an immigrant. Um, obviously, came here to do my masters and uh, started working at the same time and things like that. And I was a consultant. I was on a visa, which meant I had to travel. You know, Monday to Thursday, I was on the road. And I've literally spent the last 20 years of my life traveling. Uh, the last 10 years of them have been focused on building a, a consulting business with someone I was working with. And, uh, you know, what I realized 20 years later is that I um, did not focus on family and relationships as much as I should have. And um, if I don't make this drastic change now, I think I'll be making a mistake. So that's why I've decided, <laughs> you know what? Um, if you guys follow Tony Robbins, you know he says where focus goes, energy flows. And right. I've decided to refocus my time and my energy uh, towards my family. So I've and, and luckily because of short term rentals, I'm able to make this switch.
1: So, so let's start. You know, from uh, from like from when you just got started and you just got introduced to real estate. What what, what really attracted you to this? I mean, traditionally, you know, we all read about stocks. We come here. We have a four hundred one k's, and you know, we start investing in four hundred one. and we we're like maxing out a four hundred one k's? Right. That's yeah. where everybody starts. Then people talk about you know investing in mutual funds. But then, what what really got you interested in real estate?
0: Earning an extra dollar is a lot harder. I always thought I need to find a way to save money in taxes so that I can make that extra dollar go further. You know, I, I if I spend extra an hour working you know, harder, 40% of that hour is taken by the IRS. And I said, I need to find a way to keep all of that extra hour money because that's what I'm working hard for, right? And um, that was my initial motivation. Now, again, uh, though I'm not... Uh, so I, I work in consulting, but over the years, you know, because I started working for a startup, uh, let's just say that, uh, you know, you would consider my wife and myself to be high income professionals, which means um, we had to try and find a way to save taxes. Uh, we're not doctors or anything else for like that, but we, you know, we had to find a way to save it. And what I started learning is that uh, your W2 job is the highest dollar you will ever earn. And...
1: Give me the highest tax dollar. You, highest,
0: right. tax, high, highest tax dollar you will ever earn. And, you know, we sold our con- consulting company, you know, the, that I was part of a startup, but I was still an employee, a W2 employee. We sold that business about two and a half years ago. And when I, you know, we call it a liquidation event. So I got my share, my options cashed in. And when I saw that W2 come through or the, the uh, W2 for that, or that paycheck come through and the tax deduction on it, I said, never again, <laughs> you know, I said, never again. I'm never paying another penny in taxes so that's that's what got me down this rabbit of trying to save on tax.
1: Interesting. Yeah, and I agree with you man. I think the most uh, the most expensive thing for me is taxes and I would agree that for most of the high income earners who are W2s uh that's their most that's their biggest expense so to say from their paycheck. Like and a lot of times when you're on W2 you don't even see that money it goes away directly but even that's before correct. it hits the bank. And, um, and that's sort of different from people who own businesses because they'll see the full amount and then they can leverage that amount to do whatever they want to do, unlike a W-2 income.
0: So people with businesses have the opportunity, the flexibility of the dollar. The U.S. government by default gives you, if you're a business owner, the U.S. government gives you the opportunity to save on taxes. They promote business. Uh-huh. Um, when you're an employee, they don't really care for you much. And you know, you're going to be spending that money. You're going to be paying those taxes. And uh, there aren't those many tax breaks. The U.S. government also gives a lot of tax breaks, specifically for real estate. So it's yeah. almost like there's an unfair advantage to being in real estate.
1: That's true. But I think there's so many flavors to real estate, right? All right. I, I, I personally prefer multifamily. Um, what got you started in short-term rentals, per se? And, and how, I mean, and it's, it's, it's such a big space, right? Multif- I mean, real estate is a huge space. Uh, how did you niche down to decide, okay, I'm going to do short-term rentals? So what I found
0: is, you know, in my quest to try and find a way to save taxes, I started researching real estate. When, when we did that, you know, I did take a course that spoke about multifamily. I think that's where you and I first met. And, uh, um, you know, and, and what I realized in that course is because I was a W-2 employee and my wife was a W-2 employee, we weren't in the state. To, uh, to actually uh, go in and quit the jobs and follow what they call real estate professional status, um, which is absolutely mandatory in order to save taxes with multifamily. And my primary goal, my vision was to save taxes from my W-2 job. And in order to shelter those taxes, I, or shelter that income, I had to find a different way. So when I took that course on multifamily, I knew what I couldn't do. But I also learned a lot more about the uh, short-term rental loophole, right? So that, right. That's why I decided to pivot in, into that.
1: Okay. And um, so, so you decided to pivot into short-term rentals, but then how did you get to know about what to do in this space? Like when I started with multifamily, I didn't know anything about it.
0: So you know what's funny is even before I took the course, you know about uh, I had heard about people investing in vacation rentals and saving taxes. So my quest to actually research this started. I want to say. It's been five years now, right? Five or six years. And I asked around a lot of people and I I spoke to a lot of people. I actually spoke to people who are self-managing the properties. And I said, can you tell me how this helps you with access? Either they did not want to share or they did not know because their CPA was doing his magic in the back end. And at that time, I had a CPA um, who didn't know much about the short-term rental loophole. And right. uh, I actually walked away from a really good deal on Thirty Eight. Thirty Eight is one of the hottest markets right now. I don't know if you know the story, but I'll give you a brief about this. Um, sure. we're talking twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, uh, maybe twenty nineteen or tw- yeah, something like that. And and this was a property on Thirty Eight, prime area of the country. Um, you know, it is um the property was worth. We we had another contract for nine seventy five. I went to my CPA. He said I was crazy. He said, you're crazy. Don't even try to do this. Uh, I spoke (laughs) to a couple of other people who manage on 30, who've got properties on 30, and nobody wanted to share. These are my revenue numbers. This is how much I save in taxes. This is how I write off taxes. This is how I manage it myself. Nobody wanted to answer. And then when you look at numbers from a property manager, you know it was barely break even. I didn't have the money. To be honest with you, I didn't have the money to invest in any of this. Right. And... uh, i was it was a stretch for me. I was trying real hard to put down two hundred and fifty thousand dollars down payment on the property, right? um so this this you know I spent all summer trying to figure out how do I make this deal happen. I pushed and pushed, and finally, um as we got to closing, the seller was pissed off because you know we had to get extension <laughs> to do all this stuff that he was mad. By the time we finally got clear to close, you know, it had been three months. I'd spent all summer trying to figure this out because I knew in my heart this was a way for me to do something. And finally, I tell the seller, I say, hey, I will get there. You know, I have to travel for work. Remember, this is where you work for someone else. It came in my way again. And I said, listen, I know we got the extensions and everything. I know we have the date till Monday or Tuesday or whatever, or something like that. I have to travel to Belgium for work. I'll be back in a week. We'll make it a good event. My wife's birthday, my kid's birthday. It'll be a fun thing. We'll do it next week. He says, nope, I will give you 24 <laughs> hours to get down here and close. If not, I'm calling it breach of contract. At this point, oh, everybody wow. had told me I was stupid. I was foolish. The CPA told me to walk away from it. The people who are managing didn't give me the answers I wanted. I hunted everywhere and I couldn't find answers. And finally, I gave up and I told him, listen, you know what? Calling breach of contract I'm not coming. Here's the fun part. My gut told me I had to do it. We walked away from the deal because I wasn't, I didn't believe in myself enough to stick with it. That property sold, it went back on the market, sold for nine dollars 2 years later, it sold for $1.6 million. Oh, Okay. <laughs> wow. So I have never again come across a property like that. So again, that was a seven-figure hit for me right there. And right. then... You know, when we had the liquidation event, that was actually another seven or sorry, six figure uh, hit for me on the taxes again. So I, I lost a lot of money through that, but it's a it's a very expensive lesson learned. So I finally had to figure <laughs> out a way, you know, I thought I can't do this again. Like, well, so, then what did you do? So this is when, you know, um, I, I that's when I got back for, for about a couple of years. I decided enough is enough. I'm, I'm just going to focus on my job. You know, I'm, I was so sick and tired of that. And, and that's when, you know, I decided to do, finally got back on it. I decided to go do this you know, a course. I realized I couldn't do it. And then I started digging deeper into short-term rentals. The thing is, short-term rentals still didn't have a course. But I knew enough bits and pieces to actually put this together. And, and it actually worked out pretty well. So since then, we have invested in several short-term rentals. We have a pretty large portfolio at this point. We have four operational ones being rehabbed as we speak and we've got three more being built uh, right now. Uh, last year, I have to say, you know, I was uh, probably one of my highest earning years and I actually got a refund of $80,000. So that was a, a win. Right? And uh, we carried over losses for this year as well. So it's been it's been a great experience. We've gone forward and invested. And, and you know, I still had to uh, piece together a lot of this. Were, in the last 48, 24 months, I'll say there have been uh, new courses come up and new avenues to learn. And and I didn't have any of this when I first started, but I'm glad to see that a lot of that has come about now.
1: No, that's that's uh, interesting because I think knowledge is very key before you start in real estate. You know, from from the outside, you look at these numbers and you get wowed. You're like, wow, this is phenomenal. And this probably is easy. How hard can it be? You just go and you put in a tenant there and you make money. But there are so many moving parts to it. All right, guys, if you haven't done already, please go check out my free video series on how to do due diligence on operators and on deals before investing in them. It's called Real Estate Rx for Passive Investors and it's available at www.rerxcourse.com. For example, we're talking about this tax break and the short-term rental loophole. Uh, Karan, do you want to go into that a little bit and just kind of explain what these tax breaks really mean uh, when, we, when it comes to real estate?
0: So this, this whole, the whole concept of tax breaks on real estate, I mean, it is actually a pretty in-depth topic, right? That you know, Sure. Deserves its own let's let's I'll just give you, a brief give overview. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. This is not a video course. So this is yeah. this just a brief yeah. overview of, you know, uh, what, what exactly does it mean about a tax break? Like we're taxed right up front, but what happens if you buy real estate? So,
0: so what happens is in real estate, you have two avenues, right? I mean, you've got several places to save tax. Okay. When you are a realist in real estate, there's a key criteria that everyone goes after. so it's, uh, it's what they call real estate professional status. If your primary occupation, right? Let's say you're not a doctor or a consultant or something else. And you're spending at least 750 hours a year in real estate and doing nothing else. That's your main job. That's how you earn your money. You can claim real estate professional status. Now, again, keeping the theme with the immigrants that we're talking about here. Possibility, a lot of people are on visas and W-2s and, H- and H-1s and stuff like that. Almost impossible for you to quit your W-2 job, focus on real estate professional status because it has to be a primary occupation. And In real estate, again, you can't go to a realtor and say, hey, sponsor my H-1 visa. That's not really cool. They won't do it. There's plenty. They don't have the need for that. So you're going to have to keep your job. Um, so real estate professional status requires it to be a primary occupation and 750 hours or more a year spent in it. And you can't be doing anything else for more time. So for immigrants, generally, that's not an option. But if what happens is if you're able to do that, then you get other tax breaks. And so a couple of the keywords to be uh, mentioned, here, and people can go research themselves as well if they want, uh, is what you call accelerated depreciation and cost segregation. So what happens is... Um, Due to some recent tax changes, tax law changes, you're able to accelerate depreciation. Depreciation is a factor. You now, when you have an asset, you are able to depreciate it over a period of time. It's the number of usable life, the usable life that it has. So, 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 just finite. to
1: clarify, these this depreciation is actually a phantom depreciation that the IRS right. actually. It doesn't. It's not just. It allows it mandates that you take that depreciation over the course of uh, of you know the whole uh, over a course of a certain number of years. Uh, I don't think we need to go into the details of that because that becomes another very, uh, you know, nuanced topic that we, uh, you know, that we can discuss and, you know, go into that rabbit hole. But I don't think we need to go there. But just to give a brief overview, that's what that's what happens. So they say that your IRS basically says that you are actually your value of your asset is actually depreciate uh, depreciating in the eyes of the IRS. So you need to take this right. tax break because of that, even though the 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 asset may be appreciating in value because of the demand and whatever's happening in the market. Uh, it still means that you take that right tax right off, and um so I think the other thing important thing is that it's a business. you know everything is a business so so whatever expenses you're putting in, you will get a business because it's a business expense um you know it's you're going to take get a tax right off for the business expense as well
0: yeah, and I think you know the big part you know what I personally don't believe in is that you ex 40 percent forty cents to um on on it to save. expense a dollar to save 40 cents, but So I don't believe in that concept. But uh, and I usually don't go for the smaller expense write-offs and all that. It's too much headache for me. I'd rather go for the big numbers. Now, again, I also mentioned that real estate professional status is not an option, generally not an option for us as immigrants.
1: Right, right. So what do we do?
0: Are we stuck? Or do we not have an option? We do have an option, especially with short-term rentals. That's where I found, that's a loophole I found, because I was still wanting to, even though I'm I'm a U.S. citizen now, I still had to find a way to write off my taxes and the way the loophole is the short-term rental loophole, which is as long as you have a property that you self-manage, at least in the first year, and self-manage can be defined better, but it's something that you don't hire a property manage- manager for. That's the easy way to say it. You do not hire a property manager for, and the average length of stay, the IRS says that the as long as the average length of stay so let's say, you know, I go and stay in an Airbnb property or a short-term rental. As long as I stay for an average of seven days or less, it qualifies as a short-term rental. Because for long-term rentals, what happens for multifamily is you sign a lease, a year later, you sign a new lease. And yes, there might be some management, some maintenance and all that, Sure, but you know, you're you not really actively working in it, right? You right. have four calls a month or whatever, but after that, you're not actively working. The amount right. of work that you put in with a short-term rental is a little more. So the, the IRS is as long as the average length of stay is seven days or less, and you self-manage the property, and there's several ways to qualify for that. You know, there's a number of different hours. It gets very complicated there. Uh, but once you get there, uh, you are able to write off against your W-2 income. The highest tax dollars you will be able to write off. And especially if you're a high-income earner, you're writing off at 30 and 40%. That's a huge tax break. That's why, for me, short-term rentals and real estate is the right way for me because there's a few benefits to short-term rentals, right? Cash flow is huge. You earn a lot more every month. Your bank account, you see a lot more money come in versus multifamily has pros and cons. Um, so the cash flow is bigger with short-term rental. The tax benefits, for especially for immigrants, you're on a visa and stuff like that, or you need to keep a W2 job for whatever reason, is huge. You can still write it off, and and the third one is the property is not going to appreciate like real estate does. So you have got the tax write off, the cash flow, and the appreciation. Yes, they're a little more riskier because everyone has this concept of uh, you know what happens if the economy and stuff like that. But they've been saying that every year for a long time, and it might happen. Listen, don't get me wrong, it might happen. But the fact that this investment is backed by a real asset, as long as you buy it right, you'll be okay.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. And I just want to remind uh, our listeners that you know even though we're talking about these tax breaks and you know the uh, short-term rental loophole what the IRS does we're not attorneys uh this is yep. what we've seen in our experience so before and we're not CPAs so you know whatever you do make sure you're talking to your CPAs don't take a word for it we hey what do we know um just take don't take a word for it just make sure that you talk to the right people for who sure. can guide you in the right way um this is what we have seen in our experience and Uh, you know but even we talk to our CPAs and our you know attorneys before we take any steps so that we're not doing something that's against the law and then we end up in a in a soup
0: absolutely this is just a conversation between two friends and uh, you know we're happy to share
1: so folks stick around for part two of this interesting conversation that I'm having with uh, with Karan we'll be dropping in some more nuggets hopefully (laughs) Karan will do that for you guys so that you understand how this short-term rental space works Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining me and uh, we'll see you in part two.